Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode of AFK is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice. Starting is easy. Servers start at just $5 a month. You can choose your flavor of Linux, then pick a location that's right for you. London, Tokyo, Dallas, anywhere in the world, they've got you covered. Go from having that amazing shower idea to a hosted website in minutes. You can start small and expand as your idea blossoms into a hit. Get the most out of your Linode with great add-ons like backups, block storage, DNS management built in and professional services to help you migrate sites or even perform more complex sysadmin tasks. Head to linode.com slash changelog and get $20 in hosting credit. That's four months free. Once again, linode.com slash changelog. Changelog Media, this is Away From Keyboard, a show exploring the human side of creative work. I'm Tim Smith. I'm Abby Prado, sitting in for Tim Smith, who has unfortunately lost his voice. Or is it a blessing? This week's show is with Laura Gaetano. Laura works in diversity and inclusion for the Travis Foundation, an initiative from Travis CI. Her career has been pretty varied. She's dabbled in photography, illustration, and even ceramics. Tim met up with her in London back in October and started by asking her where she grew up. I uh, was born in Italy, in Rome. And uh, when I was uh, five years old, we moved uh, together with my family to south of France. So I actually grew up in the south of France, um, lived there until I was about 13 years old. And then we moved to Vienna, Austria. So, yeah. <laughs> wow, that, that is uh, like, you just mentioned a few different really cool places to, to grow up. How do you feel like, how do you feel that those, these places influenced you and, and who you are? So um, I think I'll start with the obvious one, which is the languages. Um, I mean, I hated moving away from France when I was 13, right? Like I was a teenager, um, I had all my friends, and then suddenly I was moving to like a new country, new language, new people. But in hindsight, I realized like that gave me the chance to speak three to four languages when I was, you know, in my teens, I was fluent in um, English, German, uh, French, and Italian. So <laughs> that's kind of, so that's, I guess, the first thing that kind of has a really huge impact on, I guess, how I think as well. So I, I don't know, I always get the question, like, which language do you dream in? And which language do you think in? And it's, I guess it's more complicated than like, just saying, I think in English and I dream in, I don't know, French, but I, I feel like those languages, those cultures have influenced me a lot. And I feel that the French culture and the Italian culture are fairly similar. And then the, the Austrian culture is a little bit different. Um, so yeah, the fact that I'm, I guess, friendly to strangers, but also I kind of like to have my space and I'm, I can be reserved and an introvert and all that. So I feel like that has had sort of a huge impact on who I became. How, how do you feel that these, these different cultures have influenced not only who you are, but maybe what it is that you do for work, as well as your worldview? 
Um, that's actually something that I've never really thought about. So I, um, it's an interesting question. Um, I guess when it comes to worldview, I think uh, that because I grew up in a sort of international environment or I grew up um, around a lot of different cultures, I tend to be more liberal in my thinking, to be more open to other cultures, um, more open to wanting to get to know people who aren't like me. Um, so I think that definitely kind of impacted uh, how I am, but also, I mean, now that I think about it, I currently work in diversity and inclusion, so <laughs> that fits in really well. Um, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very mission oriented person and that, um, that is reflected in my work. And so I think that that had a part in like the work that I do today, sort of thinking about, um, thinking about marginalized people, thinking about underrepresented people in tech and outside of tech. So you mentioned that you moved away from the south of France when you were 13. What was the reason for that move? Um, so it wasn't my own decision. <laughs> um, my father uh, was looking or got a new job um, in, in Austria. And I have a little bit of an anecdote, I guess. Um, so at the time... I guess the first time that when we moved away from Italy, it was for my parents' work and they wanted to just live somewhere else um, or move away from Rome. And sort of after eight years, the same thing happened in France. They just wanted to move elsewhere. And so um, my father had been um, looking for different jobs. And um, at the end, there were sort of three job opportunities, three contenders, like one would have been New York, the other one would have been a place in the middle of nowhere in Australia, and then the third one was Vienna, Austria. So it seemed like between the giant capital city, uh, perhaps a little bit dangerous for a teenage, for two teenage daughters, um, I have a, a younger sister, and then sort of this small town in the middle of Australia, Vienna seemed like a kind of like good in between. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why we moved away uh, for, for uh, my parents or my, my dad's career, actually. What does your dad do? So uh, he works with computers. <laughs> that was the answer that I always gave um, teachers at school when they asked me. Um, I'm, so when, when we moved to Vienna, he uh, was working at the United Nations um, in the, um, at the IAA, which is the um, Atomic uh, Energy Agency. Um, and I think he was doing a little bit of sort of like work, which in the end didn't interest him that much. Um, and so at the same time, he started um, working for, or working, um, uh, working without being paid, I guess, for ICANN. Um, and so he was very involved in sort of the idea of like policies on the internet and and all of that, um, which I think, which is funny because, you know, sort of 15, 20 years later, I started working in tech um, completely like unrelated to his work um, in a way. What about your mom? What does she do? So my mom... Um, my parents met at IBM when they um, when they were in Italy. Uh, I think she was working. She was an office worker, um, but 
what I think is so great about my mom is that she always kind of reinvented herself every single time that we moved. So we moved away because of my dad's career. And then every time, um, every time we moved to a new place, she just kind of started a new career. So in South of France, um, working in real estate was huge because there's all these villas, um, that are giant and super expensive. So she worked in like real estate for, I guess, richer people. And, um, when we moved to Austria, she started working with kids. So, uh, she was working at a small, um, kindergarten and, and yeah. I mean, your mom, your mom really sounds like a go-getter. Your dad, you said, you know, works with technology, works with computers. Um, do you feel that that in any way kind of influenced what, what you do now? Or uh, was it more by coincidence? So it was a little bit by coincidence. Um, what I have to say, though, is that we, so my sister and I, um, so we had a PC at home fairly early on, and we were always encouraged to pursue whatever we wanted to do. So we had a lot of privilege in how we grew up and had the possibilities to like try out different sports, try out, you know, learning an instrument. And also we were spending a, a lot of time on the computer. So my sister actually started studying computer science and then kind of redirected her career into something different. And I started out um, learning or um, I went to university for art because that was what interested me and then ended up kind of by chance, like landing in tech. Um, so I feel that it wasn't sort of based on what my dad did, but that we were actually always encouraged to pursue whatever interested us. And so that that's kind of how, how I ended up here. That, that's pretty great because what I interpret from what you're saying is it's, it wasn't necessarily his job, his actual job that influenced you, but rather the environment that your mom and dad created for you to feel free to experiment and try whatever it is that you wanted. And I think that's so good because I, I mean, I, I often see like it's parents that can hinder the possibilities for their own kids. You know, like if, if <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to, I hate to say it, but like if, if you as a parent continue to, let's say you have a boy and a girl, if you continue to push what are considered boy and girl things on each of them, that that's going to reflect then in the decisions that they make later in life. Yeah, definitely. So I think, I mean, we already have enough, let's say, problems with society pushing those um, stereotypes, like gender stereotypes, and we don't need additional, like, let's call them like bad influences, I guess, from the parents. Like, I think um, I'd really love to someday see toy stores not have separate sections for like boy toys and like girl toys, but, um, but have, you know, things labeled cars and things labeled dolls and puzzles and whatever, and just have, um, yeah. And just have the kids be able to choose what it is that they want to play with. And yeah, but as you said, like, we don't, um, as, as a parent, there's a lot that one can do to, push a kid in a certain direction even when it's not even when it's accidental um, and when it's like an unconscious decision an unconscious thing
What's up, AFK listeners? Adam Stachowiak here, Editor-in-Chief of Changelog. If you've been enjoying Tim's exploration of the human side of creative work, you'll probably love our show, Founders Talk. Founders Talk features stories from founders, CEOs, and makers about their journey, their lessons learned, and the behind-the-scenes of building and running their company. Here's a preview of Pia Mancini, co-founder and CEO of Open Collective. She's sharing some of the struggles of being a mother and a startup founder. The first few months are absolutely hard, so super challenging, you know? They need your attention, they can't walk, they can't do anything for themselves, and you know, you're trying to keep doing, but then also, you know, doing your responsibility as a parent. And it's just like, you know, it's just probably the most challenging challenging parts of a parent's life is is those first, you know, six months to nine months of the yeah, child's life. For sure. But it also it also gives you um, an extra energy, like an extra I don't know creativity. I don't know if it's the hormones or what, but it's like you have that. You know, you, you go into a yeah, you go into a different gear. And yeah. You just you just keep pushing forward. I don't know. There's something that kind of makes you um, yeah just shift gears into that extra thing, and and you can and you can do it. Also, you. What I found mostly with um, motherhood is I don't have time for BS, essentially, like at all. Like I don't have, I have very little time to waste or to spare. So you become, at least I became really good at saying no to things and just really cutting, you know, cutting loose things or or, or situations or people that just. Yeah, I didn't just didn't have time. It made me much more focused because the time I have away from my daughter is like I'm doing this, right? Otherwise, I'm with her. So, Founders Talk is all about in-depth, one-on-one conversation with founders and makers. If you dig that, learn more and subscribe at changelaw.com/founderstalk. From Changelog Media, this is Away from Keyboard. I'm Tim Smith. All right, so let's let's uh, let's change topic a little bit and move on to your your career. You kind of talked about the fact that it's it's been uh, pretty diverse. You know, you've done a few different things. Um, let's start with you know what did you did you go to school? Uh, did you go to university, as they say over here, um, or or did you opt not to go? Um, so yes, yeah, so I went to art school or art university. <laughs> um, and so, um, I, I went to a, an international high school and I think there, there was sort of that, that's the path that you go, um, here in Europe. Also, we don't have the same problem as in the U S when it comes to education and how expensive it is. Um, so of course the UK will have, um, more expensive universities. Um, but generally it's fairly cheap to get higher education. And so that's kind of the path that you end up taking usually, um, or at least that, that was, I'm, I'm not going to say like was forced on me, but I didn't really, I couldn't think of anything else that I could do um, because that's just that's just the the path that everyone goes. Um, so yeah, so I went to art university in um, in Vienna, um, and in hindsight, it was really tough. Actually, um, I didn't have a really good time um, during my studies um, to the point where I think it really took a toll, like on my mental health. Um, it was, um, 
I don't know. Um, it's it's kind of so maybe kind of spoiler alert. Uh, I didn't graduate from art school, um, but I stayed in school for a really long time, and I was kind of like trying to push through and trying to make it to the end. Um, but somehow um, there was a lot of like socializing that was expected in in that um, in that field, and you were expected to collaborate with other people and to sort of constantly talk about your art and argue about things and discuss. And I didn't want to do that. Like I wanted to just do my things and not have to constantly talk about it. Um, and so for years, I thought I wasn't an academic person. I thought I'm not like a university person because clearly like I'm failing at this. Um, and Yeah, and towards the end of my sort of school, uh, higher education career, I found a couple of uh, professors that really kind of showed me that that's not the case. So I had a ceramics professor that was really, really amazing. And then um, another one who... Um, who taught uh, user interface design and... Um, sort of um, hardware and, and Python. Um, so yeah, so I kind of like, I met these two really great people who just showed me that I am, I can be great at academics. I just wasn't, I had to find another way that worked for me. And, and what was that, that other way that did work for you? I guess um, it was to try out the classes that I really like, even though it wasn't necessarily counting towards um, my diploma, towards my graduating um, university, just taking the classes that I wanted to take for the sake of learning, like because I wanted to learn a certain skill or because I wanted to find out about um, how to um, how to mix um, liquid porcelain and, you know, pour it into a mold, like this kind of stuff. It's something that if you don't try it out in a place where there's a studio or where you have the facilities, it's going to be really hard to actually learn that later on. Um, so they just kind of, I guess I learned to go for the stuff that, that interests me because I have a gut feeling about it. And then later on, I guess I also kind of learned to like let go. So it was really, really hard for me to um, kind of come to the conclusion that I'm not going to graduate and that it's fine and that I can leave it behind me. Uh, but it took a really, really long time. I would think so, right? Because we're told that graduating means success and not graduating is somehow failure. When from what I gather, I feel like you still, you, you learned a ton there um, and maybe worked through even some personal things through that experience, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I think there is a bit, um, yeah, I, I struggle a little bit with like the idea of failure and success because, um, so my, maybe to go back a little bit to, um, how I grew up, like my father is very goal and, and sort of success oriented. And so both my sister and I were very focused on like outcomes and, um, you know, being really good in school and, um, we were fairly competitive, I think. And so had this idea of like, okay, when we, 
you know, when we join a contest, we have to be first or we have to be second place. Like we can't be third place or 10th place or whatever. Like we have to be the best. And I think that is, that can really destroy, like that can, it can really have huge effects on how you then, um, you know, view work, for example. Like I think, um, particularly in tech now, there is a bit of a pushback against this idea of like constant productivity, um, of constantly, I don't know, um, uh, celebrating your successes and, and not talking about failure. I think there's, I see this, this, yeah, this pushback now to actually start talking about your failures and why, you know, why did you fail and what can you learn from it? And why was it perhaps like not even such a bad thing? Um, so yeah, I think, but it took me a long time. And I think that definitely this kind of, um, the fact that, that society is changing a little bit, um, when it comes to, yeah, approaching failure and success, uh, definitely helped. See, I, I think also there's a problem with with schooling there, too. And I, I've told this to many people, but I feel like school, whether it be, you know, primary school that is required by the government or even upper, you know, higher education, it really only caters to one type of learning. And if you don't and if you don't fit that mold, then it, it forces, I think, people to feel like they're like they failed, even though they haven't. It's just that that system was not built for them. Yeah, um, definitely. I also think that I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's it starts at like the the schooling and education level, and I think we can also go beyond that and think about um, how, for example, um, in some schools or in some systems, uh, there's also a grade for like effort and participation. And there's this idea that you have to be a person that participates and that only works, I guess, if you're also the type of person who enjoys speaking up and just kind of being, I guess, to a certain extent, the center of attention and raising your hand in, in class and that, for example, was something that I was really, really missing at university. I wasn't participating. I didn't like that because I also didn't like to express my thoughts in German, which was like my fourth language, right? So, um, but generally, like some people have personalities that don't that don't allow them to be that type of person, that type of student. And I think... I'm not sure. I mean, education is just such a big topic and it's different. It's different in like every single, I mean, not just in every single country, um, every single region, but then it just kind of, it's different in every city. And I guess like different states or different regions of countries have their own way of making decisions. And yeah, it's, it's a big topic, but it's frustrating for all the kids that kind of go through school and have the feeling that they're not worth anything because their grades don't say so. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that you do work with diversity and inclusion. W what does that work look like? So um, I currently work for Travis Foundation. 
which is a, um, a foundation that was started by Travis CI. Some of your listeners might be familiar um, with that company, that service. Um, and the idea of Travis Foundation is to give back to the open source community by supporting diversity in tech and open source. So um, our work is, I think, like fairly diverse in the projects that we run and kind of my day-to-day -day work um, can be very different uh, based on, you know, which projects we're working on, um, but kind of the core of it is supporting diversity and thinking about inclusion in tech. I read when I, when I looked at your site that you did illustration work for some time. Uh, are you still doing that now? Uh, it's complicated. <laughs> uh, so I am not actively doing any illustration work at the moment. Um, but yeah, so I still have a really, a fairly old site up, which I'm reworking, but, uh, illustration and graphic design and like all of this creative work is something that I've been interested in, like since I was a teen and I'm finding now more and more that I'm really missing that creative work. And so it's something that I'm looking to get back into. Yeah, I did a little bit of, um, a few years ago, um, I illustrated a, um, a, a record, um, like an album that came out. Um, so I was, uh, I was managing a musician based in, who was based in Vienna. Um, I found, yeah, I went to a show and saw him play and was really excited about his music. And I said, okay, let's work together. I'm just going to manage you. I have no idea how that works. Um, but yeah. And, uh, we were working together on these or not working together on these songs, but he, um, was working on an album and then I would give a little bit of feedback on the demos. And, um, and then we decided to basically have me do all of the cover artwork and uh, design everything from like beginning to end. And that, that was a super interesting process. And it's something that I haven't done since, but it's something that kind of made me realize like, yeah, the creative thing like really works for me. Why, why do you feel that you miss more creative work? Because I mean, the, the work that you are doing is, is very important too, right? But what, but what is it about the creative work that you feel you miss or what, it, or maybe what is it about the work that you're doing right now that you don't so much like? So uh, right now I'm in a management position and um, management is hard. Management is so hard. And I think it's one of those things like people approach it as a soft skill, I feel. And this idea of like, oh, you can go in there and you can just wing it. And that's not the case. Uh, management is really hard. Good management is even harder. And um I feel like you need to have a certain personality type to be a good manager. You can probably also learn it you, up to a certain point, but I feel like I don't have the personality type to be a manager. And I've thought about this a lot over the last months. And I realized um, in order to be a manager, you also have to be really selfless. And I feel like at this point in time, I I want to be a bit selfish, I guess. I want to be a bit kind of concentrate on myself and learn new skills um, or improve on some of my skills. And um, 
yeah, and I also, there's, I guess, two other things. Um, as much as I love connecting with people, um, I don't do my best work in meetings. And I also really need time to focus. And these are two things like too many meetings and not enough time to focus are two things that I have in management right now that I would love to kind of um, change. I totally understand you. I think it's funny because at least in my personal experience, I realized that being a manager is really easy until you are one, you know, I, because I remember when I I wanted to be in management, although I guess I technically am not right now, but I, I've been in that role and I remember what I was before that role. And I thought, man, you know, this, I could do this job better than this person because I was stupid and arrogant, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, I could, I could manage people better than this. And yet it's much harder once you're there. And then the other thing is, yeah, uh, you know, meetings take up a lot of time. And I think as creative people, you need that time to focus, to be kind of by yourself and have your time um, that you just don't that you just don't have, right? If if you're if you're a manager, because most of your time is consumed by by meetings, and that you know that's that's really hard. Um, so I feel so like what is, what are next steps for you to try to get back to doing what it is that you you like doing more? Um, yeah, so it's um, it's it's hard to kind of think about this or to think about next steps or talk about next steps even uh, because so uh, I said before I'm a very mission oriented person I love what we do at Travis Foundation and I love the fact that our focus is on diversity and inclusion um, and so um, right now I think. I'm basically just trying to figure out what could my next role be and how would that fit within um, within the foundation or within my current work? Um, are there ways in which I can bring in more creative work? Um, and I have to say, um, I have a really good manager, um, Annika, who... Um, who is that kind of person, like the people first kind of person who really thinks about, um, you know, how can I support you in your career so that you're doing what you want to be doing and so that we can make it work. Um, so yeah, I guess we're sort of exploring options now and trying to see um, how could that work and yeah, how could I bring in more, more creative um, stuff into my, into my day to day. So one thing that we tried um, a couple of last year, um, was to have some time set aside for each one of us actually, um, to work on something that was creative and that didn't necessarily need to be something for work. Um, but it just, it was just a way for us to kind of put some focus on things that we want to learn or things that we want to develop or ideas that we're thinking about. And so I feel like this was kind of a good starting point. That's Laura Gaetano. Find her on Twitter as Alice Tragedy. AFK is edited and mixed by Tim Smith. The beats are from the one and only Breakmaster Cylinder. You can find Tim on Twitter as Smith Timmy Tim. You can find the show at AFK underscore show. Thank you to our sponsor, Linode. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more about them at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. Assuming you're 
loving this show, go rate, review, or recommend it wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send the show a letter or suggest someone for the show, send an email to afk at changelog.com. I'm Abby Prado, and this is Away From Keyboard. Keyboard.